Luke's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 36. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. So I'm drawing your attention tonight, particularly the expression, they are equal unto the angels. The Lord is just speaking of the blessed dead, the saved who have been raised. The cursed dead is another story. All that are in the graves will come forth by the power of Jesus Christ. But there's a twofold distinction. Some unto the resurrection of life. And that is what the Lord Jesus is speaking about here. But there are others unto the resurrection of damnation. The Lord is speaking of the first. The saved, the believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The ones that he calls here in verse 36. They are the children of God. It's only the children of God have this blessed resurrection and are like unto the angels. They are also called not just the children of God, but they're called the children of the resurrection. Not everybody is a child of God and therefore will not be a child of the resurrection. There's a difference. Those who come forth as the children of the devil are hideous and they're cursed and they're not blessed at all they have given up the blessing of God and their rejection of Christ I'm not talking of them tonight I'm talking of the blessed hope that you the people of God have I'm talking of your resurrection as the people of God as believers in the resurrection day. That's what I'm speaking about tonight. Those that we saw in Hebrews. That have the better resurrection. I'm talking about that. I remind you last week that I said. The Old Testament saints. Had the hope of the resurrection of the dead. It was very important to them. It was a great and blessed hope to them. And whenever Paul describes those ones in chapter 11. He's saying that they were wanting a better resurrection and they wouldn't leave the Lord and they wouldn't give up their faith because of the hope of the resurrection. Now maybe some of you say, well, don't we have the hope of heaven? Yes, of course we do at death, but there is a hope of heaven. Even the Old Testament teaches that. Thou wilt guide me with thy counsel and afterward you'll receive me to glory. I'll go to heaven. But my body won't. It goes into the grave, but... But the spirit goes. Remember Jesus said to the dying thieves. Today you'll be with me in paradise. But his body went to the grave. As did the body of Jesus. But their souls went to paradise. Went to heaven. So yes there's heaven. A death. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. I dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. So yes a death there is the hope. The prospect. But that's not the ultimate. That's not the highest. That's not eternal life in all its fullness and reality. That's not permanent. That's not the end. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? 
Yes, they do get benefits at death. The souls of believers at their death are made perfect in holiness. Praise the Lord. Their souls are sinless. The spirits of justified men made perfect up there in heaven with the Lord. They immediately pass into glory. But their bodies, you see, they rest in the grave. And they are waiting there in the grave till the resurrection. And that's the highest hope. And sometimes the word redemption is replied to the very last day when the Lord raises his dead up. The day of redemption. Now there are many ways to look at a day of redemption. The cross work was a day of redemption when he shed his blood, the Lord Jesus. Conversion was a day of redemption. Whenever we experience the justifying grace of God. Death is a day of redemption because the soul is made perfect and goes into the presence of God. But the great day of redemption is at the end, the last day, the Lord's day. Whenever he comes back again in all his glory and raises the dead. Look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. The Lord speaking about the second coming. That's what's glorious about the second coming. The blessed hope, the glorious appearing. See, there are two things there. There's the blessed hope and there's the glorious appearing. And it's the glorious appearing that brings in the blessed hope. And what's the blessed hope? The blessed hope is the resurrection from the dead. Brought in by the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. When we shall see him, we shall be like him. Body and soul. So that's the blessed hope. You don't have the glorious fullness until then. A disembodied spirit is not perfect. Yes, he's perfect in holiness, but he's not complete in his humanity. He doesn't have the eternal life in his body as a man in all his completeness. The dead have to wait for that. Day of glory, that deathfulness. And we enjoy it when we're raised up together. Whenever the church is complete, you see, And that's what the spirits are waiting for in heaven. They're waiting for the church to be complete. Because this resurrection and this coming of Christ cannot take place until it's complete. And it comes back for a complete body. And the whole body to be brought in together. And the whole body raised to meet the Lord in the earth to be forever with him in body and soul. The children of the resurrection. You see the resurrection is not by installments. That's one of the errors at the heart of dispensationalism. There's a resurrection here. There's a resurrection before the millennium. There's a resurrection after the millennium. And then there's another resurrection after that. Resurrections here, there and yonder. By installment. But there's only the resurrection of the church. What does Paul say? Christ, the first begotten from the dead, and afterward, all they that are Christ's together at the end. So just one resurrection 
of all the church of God at the last day together. This is at his coming. But as I say, tonight I'm particularly interested in this description that the Lord gives of the resurrected dead. They are equal unto the angels. The Lord is giving us a glimpse here of what it will be like to be raised from the dead. And what the resurrected dead will be equal to the angels. Or as Matthew and Mark put it when they tell the same narrative of the Lord's answering the Sadducees, they are like unto the angels. What does that mean? That they are like unto the angels or equal to them? You see, the Sadducee mockers, they didn't believe in resurrection and they give Christ, as you know, this, this puzzling scenario. Uh, and they assume whenever they give this puzzling scenario to the Lord, the resurrection is to the same life on earth. The same kind of body. The same kind of life. The same kind of things going on. The same carnality. The same marriages. The same procreation. They just think it's a back to that again. And even a back possibility to dying again. Because in the Old Testament people were raised but they died again. And maybe they're thinking well back to dying again as well. So they had no idea of the nature of the resurrection of the dead. They were just thinking upon it as a kind of resuscitations of the dead. But the Lord says they don't die again and they're not given in marriage because they're like unto the angels. They're changed. They're different. They're not the same. So the resurrection changes man. Save man. Uh, that's the way it is. It, it's, it's raised. But it's not exactly the same. Yes, it is a true body. It is a real body. Material body. Flesh and bones still. But ha it has changed. It's gloriously changed. The Bible's very clear about that. Didn't we read it tonight in 1 Corinthians 15? We shall be changed. It's so in a natural body, but it's not raised a natural body. It's raised a far more glorious body. We're changed. If we weren't changed, those who were alive, whenever the Lord come back again, they wouldn't have to be changed. They'd just go to be with the Lord without dying. But we all have to be changed. Because the resurrection body is a changed body. To discover something of the kind of change that it undergoes, one way to do that is to study the resurrection appearances of the Lord Jesus and to see what is taking place there. And there's some really strange things taking place there. At times they don't recognize him. He appears, he disappears, he seems to go through locked doors. And yet they can touch him and he has flesh and bones and, and they can feel the, the, the material substance. But there's something different. They sometimes have to see the prints on their hands to, 
to be really sure it's him. He was changed. Gloriously changed. And when he appears, we'll be like him. Changed like unto his glorious body, the Bible says. Doesn't the Bible say that? Our conversation is in heaven. From whence we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's what he had when he came forth from the dead. He didn't have this on the cross. This was a body that bled in humiliation and in shame and in nakedness. But in his resurrection from the dead, he has a glorious body. And we shall have that too. The glory of God that raised up Jesus is the same glory that will raise up his people. We are the sons of God, the Bible says. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Whatever form his humanity has taken, whatever glories about his humanity, we shall also enjoy those glories. We'll be like him. Not just sinless like him, that's the main part of it, but there's so much more to it than that. Like him. In every way. But it's not my intention to study the resurrected body of Christ. I'm thinking of these words that he said before his own resurrection. Like unto the angels. What does that mean? Clearly it's not like them in every respect. Because you know angels have no bodies. And they are bodiless. And they are pure spirit. And they are invisible. Though in a manner not known to us. They can appear. If God allows them and wills it. But they don't have bodies. They're spirits. They're not like us in that regard. There's just singleness and a solitariness to their nature. As a spirit being. We're unique. We have a duality nature. We're spirit. And we're body. The angels are not. So it doesn't mean that we become bodiless. And pure spirit. Otherwise there wouldn't be a need for a resurrection. No it doesn't mean like the angels in that regard. It means like the angel in other regards. And some have thought that this. What our Lord says here. Just extends to the things that he mentions in the context. And it certainly includes that. What does the Lord say here in the context? He says there, neither can they die anymore, for they're equal unto the angels. And then he says there in verse 35, they that are counted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection, they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are like the angels, equal unto the angels. And some people think that it only is limited to the matter of procreation. The matter of having children and marrying and having children. Because you see, the angels never did that. The, never, the angels never had procreation. The, never, the angels, they were all made as a host. And one day, God said, let the angels be. And all the angels there they were. They all come into being. And they didn't grow in number. And they didn't populate and spread. No, he just made them all a great host. But mankind is a race. And God just made Adam and Eve. 
and they married and they procreated and they had children and they married and they married and the population grew and the race spread and multiplied by this marrying and giving in marriage and having children and at the resurrection of the dead we're like the angels there's no procreation there's no spreading in numbers and multiplying in numbers no the saved are are now a host of God's elect together and they can't grow any greater in number the number has been fixed by the eternal decrees of God as his elect they're all brought in not one loss and there they are and they don't marry anymore and they don't have children anymore so they're like the angels in that regard and then the Lord says here that they don't die neither do they die anymore they're equal unto the angels and that's another thing about the angels you see the angels can't die because they don't have bodies and they can't die they have spirits and their spirits have immortality Yes, their spirits can depart from God as the fallen angels did, but they still don't die, except to spiritually die and eternally die. But they, they, don't, they can't die the way that we die in the separation of body and soul, because they're just one, they're solitary, and they, they, can't, they can't separate their solitariness. They, they have immortality as a spirit. We die. But in the resurrection from the dead, though again we will have this duality of nature, body and soul, we won't die. They don't die. They're like the angels. They have true immortality, not just of their spirit, but of their body too. So it means that God will wipe away all tears. There'll be no more death, the Bible says. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The resurrection will destroy the very experience of death. They'll never more die. So it, it means those two things. It's not limited to those two things. The Lord clearly here is giving us an opening to a greater thought. There's more to this. They're like the angels. I want to cover some things in the time that remains to us tonight. One of the things about the angels is their holiness. The Bible calls them the holy angels. And they're holy because they're in the presence of God and God radiates his holiness on them. And They're like Moses. They go away with that beauty of holiness radiating upon them, beaming and shining out of their lives. They're so holy, so pure, so godlike. In fact, whenever angels do appear and manifest themselves to men on occasions, the reaction very often is fear and trembling and terror because they bring this sense of holiness, the holiness of God. And it's almost like the angels are like gods. In fact, people have worshipped angels because they thought that they were so godlike. There's something about them. Holiness. Glorious. You see, the world to come is a very holy place. That's a thing that characterizes the new heavens and the new earth. And without holiness, no man can see the Lord. And without holiness, no man could abide in the presence of God. No man would even want to abide in the presence of God without holiness. 
And so it's essential to be made like unto the angels in this holiness. This absolute God-likeness. This purity. And it's, it's the gospel that makes us holy. The grace of God that justifies us and deals with our sins, first of all. And then the sanctification that we go through life where we begin to learn about holiness of character and holiness of life and something of what it means and a lot of our shortfalls along the way. And then at, at, at death, our spirits are glorified and they know something of holiness. But then at the resurrection of the dead, when we have our whole humanity complete and together again, the awe of holiness that was saying about us. It's hard to describe. It's hard to even imagine what it would be like because we're so unholy. But we'll be like the angels. Be able to be abiding in God's presence and not tremble or fear. Be able to be there and know that he won't be displeased at us. Oh, so wonderful to be like the angels in his presence, to come and go out of his presence. And we're even probably even better than the angels in that regard because he's our heavenly father. And, and through Jesus Christ, who's a man, we will have such close access unto the Lord, uh, maybe even closer than the angels, but we'll be holy like them. I think the Lord certainly means, means that. And this is concluded at the resurrection. It also, I think, means to be as joyful as the angels. Because there's one thing that seems clear to me in the Bible. In the presence of God, there is joy in the presence of the angels. Fullness of joy in the presence of God. It's a place of joy. If you can approach onto it in holiness. And the being able to approach onto God in holiness brings joy. They're both connected. They have this immense joy. The angels are happy creatures, you know. So happy. They have no misery. They've always been like that. You remember at the dawn of creation it says, All the morning stars they sang together. There they are. They've just been made. The, the millions, perhaps the billions of the angels. Looking on God's new creation. And they can appreciate it because they can travel fast through it. They can appreciate it. And what do they do? They sing together. Like, you know like the birds sing together? Uh, and we feel they're so joyful and so happy. And the angels are like that. They just sing together. Because they're so joyful, so happy. We'll be like that. No depression of spirits. No misery. No low times. No feeling under the weather. But living in the joy of his God's countenance, the, the joy of his presence, serving him face to face without sin, that, that must bring immense joy to the creature. It does. And these angels are joyful because they are holy. And it's unholiness that makes us miserable, congregation, really. The more holy we be, the more joyful we will become. And we have a good measure of joy now. But what, what's the measure of it be whenever we are like the angels? This is a blessed hope. This is a wonderful thing that the gospel brings us into through Jesus Christ. This is so great. 
And so on that resurrection morning, God's people will sing. And with the joy of the angels, pure joy, fullness of joy, abounding, radiating joy, glorious joy, a joy indescribable and a joy unspeakable, an abounding joy, a joy that grows and grows and multiplies, never decays, growing and growing and multiplying into all eternity as you grow in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of the vastness of his creation. What joy. What joy to explore worlds unknown and see the unknown wonders of our creator God and our redeemer Jesus Christ. Oh, we get joy when we study the word, don't we? The joy of the word. I rejoice in thy word as one that finds great spoil. That's nothing to the joy of being in a resurrected body that can traverse the whole cosmos in the knowledge of God. What joy. Indescribable it must be. Like unto the angels. And then we think of their power. What power the angels have. They're called the mighty angels. The powerful angels. And what angels can do. And I'm not just talking about physical power. You know the power to destroy nations and knock over buildings and things like that there. They have that kind of power. But I'm thinking of other powers as well. Powers of the mind. Powers of the thought life. Powers of singing and praising God and serving the Lord. They can do mighty things. They can travel fast. They can do powerful works. They can traverse the universe. They're mighty. And they study creation and they study redemption. And they take all in and they never forget. You know what we were saying this morning? You forget, you forget. But you know in your resurrected body you'll not forget. You'll not forget anything. You'll have a mind that will retain everything. And as you retain all of that and grow in all of that, your joy grows. God has great things for us in the world to come. Wonderful things. And we'll weigh everything up and we'll consider everything. Our present bodies confine us and limit us here. But the resurrected body is is a changed body and it's glorious. And it will not be hampered by material obstacles. It will not be hampered by decay the way it is now. We'll travel fast in our spiritual celestial bodies gloriously. And we'll be like unto them in untiring service. Our bodies tire. We have to sleep. But then we'll be like the angels who untiringly serve him. You know, the angels never tire. I mean, just think of the fallen angels. They never give up. They're never weary. They go out into one place, they come back again. Where have you been, Satan? I've been to and through throughout all the earth. Never stopping. Never ceasing. Never ending his battle against God. Against his creatures. Never tired. Never weary. And the holy angels are like that too. As the devils are untiring in their warfare. So the holy angels are untiring in their service to God. Nothing wearies them. No no matter how far they have to travel. No matter how quickly they have to get to their destination to do that service. No matter who it is they have to serve. 
However despicable a child of God it may be that they are sent to serve, they go rejoicing and they go untiringly. What does it say? Serve him day and night. Day and night. Follow him whithersoever he leads us. Everywhere. And you notice that it's in the plural. They're not like unto an angel or a believer's like unto an angel. That's not the way the Lord talks. He, he never talks like that about the resurrected dead and his people in the new heaven and the new earth. He talks of them as a, as a host, as a body. Not we independents. We're like the angels. They're a host, a holy host, a joyful host. A harmoniously singing together host. That's what they are. And as we are resurrected from the dead. No independency. We're a host now. And we're like the angels. You remember how they sung at the birth of Christ. The great multitude of the heavenly host. They sang together. Praising God. Not one voice. But the whole host of them. That's the way it's described in the Bible. I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne. The number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb to receive wisdom and glory and honor and blessing. They're His. And we sing His glories and we sing His praises. All the heavenly hosts. And the resurrected dead are like the angels. Perfect harmony. Perfect oneness. It's a one joy. It's a one holiness. It's a one service. A one untiring service. Of his church. That is raised from the dead. Like unto the angels. The host of them. And like unto them in service of love. You know, angels minister to serve. They're servants and they serve. They don't self-please. They live to bring kindness to God's creation and to God's creatures, especially God's people. They're sent forth to minister, to serve to them who are the heirs of salvation. And there are some ways in the Bible that are revealed how they serve us. And there are many ways that are not revealed in the Bible how they serve us. And that will be one of the great joys of eternity whenever we have the fellowship with the angels and learn of the ways how they served us on earth that we didn't know at that time. They bring us into the Father Abraham's bosom a death. Whenever the worlds are falling apart and the Lord is coming back in all his glory and we hardly know, wonder what to do and where to go. The angels come and they guide us to our place in the presence of Jesus Christ. They serve us, us sinners, us ungodlike sinners who were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And they saw us. They sit among us here even tonight. They know us, some of them. They know us. They know what we're like. They know that we're not always good. But they serve us. Because they love God. Who loves us. And being like unto the angels will, will be part of that. We'll serve 
We'll serve creatures unknown. In worlds unknown. In that vastness of the life of the new cosmos. Our lives will be lives of eternal unending service. Of love and kindness. Thank the Lord Jesus. You remember his glorious resurrected body. And what was he doing there? He was making a, a meal for his disciples. He was cooking the fish. There he is. His glorious humanity. And there he still seems to be condescending. Still serving. Still helping. Still making the meal for his people. His resurrected body. Still loving us. And we will do that. Serve him. And serve all the creatures with love. And our bodies have to be changed to that end and for that. Isn't eternity exciting? Isn't what the Lord has for us exciting? What does the Bible say? I have not seen, ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Indescribable things. Eternity is blessed for the people of God. What lies ahead is wonderful for God's people. And let me ask tonight as we come to the close, who would not want to be a Christian? Who would not want to be a Christian? In the light of all of that I have said, who would not want to know this blessed and good God who has things that have not been imagined for his redeemed race? If this comes to those that love God, the things that he has laid up for them that love him, if this comes to those that love God, then we want to love him. We don't want to miss out on loving him or knowing him or miss out on any of this like unto the angels. You don't want to miss out on that, you know. You really don't. This is why these saints, they wouldn't give up the blessed resurrection. Oh, you can live a few years more. Just say Caesar is Lord and you'll live a few years more. No. I won't sacrifice the blessed and better resurrection for that. Who wouldn't love the Lord when he has this for them? To miss these glories. You know, to me that's a large part of hell. Just to miss that. Just to miss it. It's hell itself. Now I know there's more to hell. Hell's not only just missing that. It's being confined in the dungeon. Where there is the, the opposite of that. The curse. And that's awful. But to suffer that. And to think what you have missed. Is terrifyingly awful. So don't miss it. Don't miss it, sinner. Don't sacrifice the better resurrection for sin, for the world, for anybody. Don't sacrifice it by your unbelief, by your rejection of Jesus Christ. But rather, come to him. 
and say, Lord, in your grace, make me a partaker of the inheritance of the saints that you have obtained for them by your blood. Make me a partaker of that through grace. And let me have in my heart the blessed hope of the resurrection of the dead.